This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There was a little boy in elementary school who every day walked down the third and second grade hallway. When he got off the bus, he had to go down that second and third grade hallway all the way to the kindergarten and first grade hall. And on his daily walk, he would pass an intersection which led toward the two most powerful things in an elementary school, the fifth grade wing and the principal's office. There was no way to get into that hallway that was physically possible on your own that wasn't against school rules. Sure, you could get into trouble and make your way to the principal's office, but those consequences at home and in school were a high price to pay. Now, the fifth grade hallway was the zenith of elementary school power, and as a kindergarten student, that young boy would peer down that hall for a second when he walked past. But if you hesitated too long, your teacher would push you and shovel you right back in, guiding their hands to make sure you got back in line, followed that line leader. And for a kindergartner, there was no magic button to be able to transform you from kindergartner into fifth grade. After all, we all know kindergartners are not fifth graders. The truth is you cannot be transformed into something that you are not without an outside force. There has to be something that happens to usher in the change. Perhaps that's why change is so scary. We don't always know where it will come from or how it will feel. For us this morning, we are going to step into the scriptures to witness how our Lord enacts change. And we'll begin in the Gospel of Mark, a reading that comes directly on the heels of John the Baptist's arrest. Mark 1, verse 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of the Lord and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the gospel and kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The call from Jesus is to repent, to turn from the things in life that have distracted you from the will of your creator and to believe in the gospel. The gospel news that Jesus has come to bring healing in his wings. Perhaps the most astounding part of this message is the nature and speed of the transformation that takes place to those Jesus meets. Mark 1, 16 and 18 continues this account. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Mark does this so often in his gospel, this immediate push, that at God speaking, things change. The transformation reshapes their entire existence. Simon and Andrew are no longer who they were before they met Jesus. They had been engaged in a business and livelihood that cared for them and others, supporting a community with food, keeping a fishing industry buzzing around the Sea of Galilee. And then it all changed. So the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, looking at this text, is are we ready for change? Are we ready for things to be completely different when we have encountered the Lord, when he has come into our lives? To encounter God means to be changed because God 
changes hearts and minds. The Old Testament reading this morning came from Jonah chapter 3. In Jonah chapter 3, this is actually the second time that the Lord has spoken to Jonah. And you can't neglect the setting of the reading. The Lord spoke to Jonah in chapter 1, and it told him to preach against the wickedness of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. The events that take place several decades before the Assyrians themselves will capture the northern kingdom of Israel is where we find ourselves in Jonah 3. Samaria hasn't fallen, but Assyria carries a dreadful image in the eyes of the Lord's people. Certainly, it carries that in Jonah's mind. So for him, when the Lord invites him to preach to Nineveh, rather than go into Nineveh in modern-day Iraq, a distance of about 500 miles from where Jonah was residing, he goes in the opposite direction. Rather than going east 500 miles, he takes himself to a boat to Tarshish on the western edge of Spain, a distance of over 2,000 miles. Whatever is going to happen to Nineveh, Jonah was not going to be a part. He was going the other way. Why? Jonah did not like the Assyrians. They were a ruthless nation bent on world conquest, which was certainly a threat to Israel. So in chapter 4 of Jonah, we understand clearly Jonah's problem with Assyria. He tells it to us. Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, That is why I made haste to flee Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Did you catch that? Jonah's worried that God might actually restore Assyria, starting with its capital city of Nineveh. Jonah's concerned that the Lord would restore people. He's concerned that God might love them. He's concerned that God might give them grace. He's concerned that the Lord might actually restore them. It was a transformation that Jonah did not want to see. His appetite for the people of Assyria was for their destruction. That's what brings us into Jonah 3. And the restoration that the Lord brings to all of Nineveh. You see in Jonah chapter 3, verse 6 and 9, we hear the account of how the king responds. The king of Nineveh himself. Jonah 3, verse 6 and 9. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Those were the words of the king. The king of a nation that Jonah is not comfortable to have them change. The king hopes that though the people have been opposed to God, though they have been in rebellion, that God may be merciful and relent from the calamity that he had promised to them. So what does Jonah tell you today? It is a message that says God is larger than our vitriol and hate. And it is time for us to stop calling names, sitting in our camps that divide us, and begin to call upon the Lord to bring restoration. God, the Father Almighty, alone is capable of the true change of the human heart. Yet might it be that some of us are so convinced of our views, we are so stuck in our positions, that we cannot imagine our enemy being restored. That was Jonah's case. We would rather run the other way than 
possibly face a dialogue that says our Lord is inviting back that person, that people group. Our Lord came into this world to invite everyone back. It is in the name of Jesus that we have hope. But when we think of hope, sometimes we only hope in prophets. We hope in comedy. We hope in human laws. We hope in our biting rhetoric. But the truth is we can't have both. You can't say that your hope is in Jesus and then put hope in prophets and comedy and laws and biting rhetoric. The only true hope we have is in the Lord transforming us. That young kindergarten boy walking down a hallway, as he looked past the fifth grade hallway every day, going by the second and third grade hall on his way to kindergarten, would see he couldn't get there on his own. But on one day, that young boy got a call over the speaker into his room. The call came from the principal's office. And it said, Michael, would you please go to the fifth grade wing? Your brother is waiting for you. In an instant, everything changed. In an instant, that young kindergartner was welcomed into the fifth grade hallway with his head held high. He'd done nothing wrong, but he had been called forward by someone else. He was transformed into one who was welcomed into that hallway because his brother was waiting for him. This is what our Lord Jesus Christ does for you and for me. Jesus comes to us where we are and he invites us to walk with him. He takes us to the place that we could only imagine going. And when we go to be with him, we leave our worries and fears behind. We are transformed into something that we were not. That young boy was not a fifth grader, but he was welcomed into the fifth grade hallway and he knew it was the place for him because his family member, his brother, had called him. It is God the Father in heaven who is calling you into his presence because the Son, Jesus Christ, has covered you in his righteousness. When Jesus comes to this earth, he makes a connection with you that makes you right before God the Father. God the Father no longer looks at what you were before you were connected to Christ. Instead, he sees only the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to usher that ultimate transformation into your life, that death would no longer have a sting. Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 reads this for us. When God saw what they did, when God saw what they did, that is the repentance of the people of Nineveh. When he saw how they had turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Do not fear the God who saves. Don't be like Jonah and fear that his mercy might be so great. Instead, run to his arms, knowing that he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. There is no weight that you bring in your life that the Lord has not paid for. Jesus has walked the path Jesus has talked the talk. He has paid the price. The ransom is paid in full. Our Lord is calling you today. No longer hold feelings of vitriol against those who have hurt you or offended you. Rather, heed the word of the Lord. To return to him so that he might restore all creation just as he promised.
our Lord's promises are perfect. And they are renewed in our hearts and our minds each and every day by the power of the Holy Spirit present in our lives. This transformation is real. It has transformed all of humanity. And God is continuing that transformation in your life and in mine each and every day. Amen. Gracious and loving Lord, you have reformed us. Your transformation has allowed us to see the world in a whole new light, for in Christ our hope is found. We have put on the righteousness of Christ, and it is his righteousness alone that you see, Father. Guide us, we pray, in the coming days and weeks. Strengthen us to be the people you have recreated us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.